It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Daily Tech News Show is powered by me, but I couldn't do it on my own. I'd like to thank the over 4,800 other patrons who help keep this show going each day. Visit dailytechnewsshow.com slash support if you too would like to help power this show. This is the Daily Tech News for Thursday, August 2nd, 2018 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Feline, and I'm Sarah Lane. And joining us, very happy to have from Engadget.com, Nicole Lee back with us. Hello, I'm here from foggy San Francisco. It is foggy. You, we, we have finally hit the point where San Francisco has a significantly different temperature than Los Angeles. Significantly so, yes. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is a season in California for those elsewhere in the world. <laughs> Uh, our producer Roger Chang is here as well, sweltering away in his house. Sweltering in the sun-drenched Southern California sunshine. So Nicole uh, follows augmented reality among the many things that she covers over there in Ga- at Engadget. So we're gonna we're gonna check in on sort of the state of augmented reality. There was a, an interesting publication out from the folks who run the Game Developers Con- uh, Conference uh, about that. But let's start with a few tech things you should know. Announced in an email to publishers that apps for iOS and macOS will no longer be included in its affiliate program. The company says its new app store interfaces for iOS and macOS have new methods of discovery for those apps. All other content types, that's music, movies, books, and TV, will remain in the affiliate program. Last year, Apple dropped the affiliate rate for in app purchases from 7% to 2.5%. Bad time to be somebody whose entire business was based on that affiliate revenue. Uh, Cisco announced it's buying security firm Duo Security for $2.35 billion. Co-founder and CEO Doug Song will continue as Duo's general manager and will join Cisco's networking and security business. Duo's security platform lets employees use their own devices for adaptive authentication instead of using separate key fobs with security codes. A part of the battery usage UI and iOS developer tw- iOS 12 developer beta 5 shows an iPad with no home button, thinner bezels, and also no notch. So obviously somebody at Apple doesn't draw very well, or maybe there's another explanation. Maybe there's a buttonless, notchless iPad Pro on the horizon, maybe I, coming out this fall. I like the idea of trying to come up with something else that that could mean. It's good. <laughs> uh, San Diego federal jury awarded YLAN, a Canadian patent holding company, $145.1 million in damages from Apple for infringing its patents. 
The iPhone was found to have infringed two YLAN patent related to wireless communications. Apple plans to appeal that ruling, so that's not over yet. Let's talk a little more about Facebook. Let's do it. Facebook is launching its own version of playable ads across its platforms and its apps. Playable ads let a player try out a game before actually downloading, get a sense of if it's fun, if you're going to want to do it, and are more likely to keep playing after installing because they already know that they like it. Facebook's playable ads launch a video of the game first and then shift to HTML5 for interactivity. The effort was in beta for more than a year, so Facebook has been working on this for some time. The company also introduced retention optimization, which charges more for ads delivered to people more likely to keep playing a game, and value optimization, which helps target players likely to make in-app purchases. So I guess that that largely depends on your past behavior yeah there's there's a bunch of analytics that go into that obviously this is where facebook uses all that data they collect on you uh to make predictions i this idea of of playable ads is is not new it's something you've seen on android and ios as well uh so of course facebook rolling it out across the platforms means they're they're tying into people who sell things in the app stores i i don't ever play those ads do you guys I, I mean, I certainly, I mean, obviously Facebook's uh, functionality just rolled out. So I haven't, I haven't been able to try it out there. Yes, but I have tried before, this. Right? But, I've but, seen them in, 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 in yeah. on the web when I'm yeah. like on my Android tablet. Yeah. And, and in general, especially when I used to do, I don't know, more app shows regularly where I was just downloading <laughs> like app after app, anything that was playable, you know, a game or, or equivalent, that's, that's a great feature. I mean, there are so many times you're like, oh, this isn't actually what I wanted. I wish I would have known beforehand. And then you either delete the app or it kind of just sits there. Facebook, knowing that there was probably a fair amount of that going on and trying to figure out, yeah, how 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 will they uh, allow advertisers to have a better understanding of who is downloading this stuff when they see it? But like, is it just sort of a fluke or is this actually a valuable customer who's going to be be, be using uh, using your game or your app for some time to come. That's a that's an important distinction. Yeah, I, I wonder if um, those playable ads will translate to them actually downloading and purchasing the game. Just because I feel like a lot of the playable ads that I've seen anywhere are the kind of games that I would probably never download <laughs> on my own volition. Uh, but they're like fun little, like, you know, bubble bejewel clones, right? Usually, I think. Um, Do you play them? I, I think, I don't even, I probably like see the demo and I probably like try to play like okay. maybe one right. game. Hmm. But it's not a kind of thing that I would ever download just because it's, it's not a thing that I would do, but I can maybe, maybe, maybe people with um, <laughs> different tastes than I than I have might be willing to do that. But well, that's know. the implication of this story. What, the reason Facebook has spent so much time and energy doing this is the advertisers saying, "No, this works. We're we're using this in other platforms, and the people who play the game when they download it are more likely to keep playing it." Uh, so we, we're just the wrong people because we, we either don't play at all in my case or we, or we, we don't download the game in your case. Uh, the information has new sources that tell it Google is developing a news app for China. It would pick news algorithmically 
and attempt to work within the bounds of Chinese restrictions on what can be put in an app in China. Uh, Chinese news app Toutiao has run into trouble with the government for failing to police its algorithmically generated content. Uh, so they've paid some fines and been suspended a couple of times, but apparently they've they've weathered that storm. So it would be something Google would have to deal with as well. The app would supposedly arrive before the Google search app for China that the information said they had sources saying Google was working on. We talked about that yesterday. Reuters added its own source at Google and one in the Chinese government confirming that Google does have a plan to bring a search app to China. Of course, all of this on the background of people ready to condemn Google if they play by Chinese filter rules and, of course, the looming trade war between China and the U.S. Well, so this is, you know, to to expand on the conversation we've been having earlier in the week of is Google going to offer finally, a you know, a Chinese friendly version of its browser to be able to to grow in that market? Does it matter to anybody who would condemn Google for something like this? that Google might instead launch a standalone news app for China specifically. I mean, Nicole, they're already taking flack for the sources saying this. And of course, Google is not confirming that either of these things are true. I can't imagine that they wouldn't take less flack if they put it out. Yeah, uh, you know, this is kind of the issue that all businesses have to deal with when they deal with um, China, unfortunately. I think Facebook faced the same issue several years ago when he was trying to um, go big, get big in China. And I think that's why when it comes to the Chinese market, um, Chinese internet companies tend to do better, like Baidu and those companies, like WeChat, for example. And whereas like U.S. brands like Facebook and Google don't do as well just because of that that. That barrier. Well, well, Facebook you know? and Google particularly are not yeah. allowed to work in China unless they play yeah. by the filter restrictions, with yeah. which up until now, neither have been willing to do. And of course, last week mm. we heard about Facebook just trying to open a developer's office in China and not being able to yet get permission for that. It's all. I'm also just, if this were to go through, I'm interested in how an algorithm like this would work because, you know, it's like, okay, you block certain keywords, you block certain domains, uh, you know, maybe, you know, you block certain journalists who are part of certain stories, but it kind of ends up usually, if you're actually not going to get in trouble for your algorithm, letting stuff through, turning into, okay, well, these are the 10 sites that are cool with us. Oh, Sarah, name one time an algorithm has ever failed to block content <laughs> that someone didn't want to be published on the internet. It's true. Robots are perfect. <laughs> it's the humans that make mistakes. <laughs> you, you know, uh, there are there are a lot of news sites um, that have two different versions. Like I know um, Engadget Chinese have like a uh, behind the firewall version and a, like a like I guess <laughs> not behind the firewall version of their news site. Mm-hmm. So I don't. I guess this is this is kind of basically like the compromise Google and Facebook and all these other companies have to make. And. I guess the question comes down to are U.S. consumers who are obviously more into free rise and free speech and all of that, whether we're okay with that or not? I I think a lot of people aren't, but whether it's enough to impact Google's bottom line or not is really the big question. Twitter announced Wednesday that users will no longer be able to automatically cross-post tweets to Facebook. Tom Merritt? Looking at you. Yeah. Facebook has changed its API for a variety of reasons, data protection uh, being a big part of it, to no longer let apps post to Facebook as the logged in user 
via another service. Eight uh, IFT, IFTT. IF, IFT. You can just say IFT. IFTT. Was that? IFT. Oh, all right. I thought there were two Fs in there. IFTD also announced it could no longer support posting to Facebook profile pages as well as a few other companies. Yeah, so uh, I will no longer be posting on Facebook, folks. <laughs> the only thing you see from me posted on Facebook are my tweets That's in, right. in general. You're, you're one uh, of I will the holdouts. suddenly be yeah. going silent. Yeah. <laughs> well, there were, you know, there was a time where a lot of people were doing that. Um, and yeah. it has, it has waned some, but I, I see a lot of, you know, people's tweets that either I saw on Twitter already that are on Facebook. It doesn't mean that you can't post a tweet to Facebook. It's just a manual, you know, copy paste or copy link to tweet, which, of which Twitter has with, within its own settings. But, but, uh, but yeah, Facebook says, no does that upset you, Tom? Not really. No. I kind of forget that it's going in the background sometimes until I see someone respond on Facebook. I'm like, oh, right. Stuff right here does show up over there. So in in some ways, I'm almost glad. Uh, Oh, and thanks to Carol for writing in about this uh, about three days ago. Uh, Yeah, she did. Yes. Thank you so much to Carol. In fact, I saw that email yesterday and was like, hmm, that's interesting. It was Mm -hmm. before the the sort of greater news broke out. So Mm -hmm. Carol, thanks for being on the case and sending us um, an email she actually received from WordPress.com telling her of the upcoming changes. Netherlands-based Efteling Theme Park is taking part in the Next Web and Vodafone's IoT challenge to connect established companies with startups to solve problems. The idea for the theme park is to reduce downtime of rides and reduce maintenance costs. Two companies are in an article that are potential partners. One, Amsterdam's OneWatt, uses AI to detect problems in motors. So it could monitor the motors of these rides and help predict ride malfunctions before they happen. That means you can schedule the maintenance when the ride is not in use uh, to prevent downtime. It would also be cheaper because you wouldn't have to keep so many maintenance people on call all the time. But one of the challenges is the background noise in a theme park is less predictable than in an industrial setting. So it's harder to filter out. That's an opportunity for Helsinki's noiseless acoustics, which detects problems in the sounds of machines. Their sensors and AI could learn to filter out the background noise and then pass along the resulting profile to one watt. Wow. Uh, I did not realize this was something that a theme park had to worry about so much, although you do hear about uh, issues that happen here and there. And also really interesting to be like, okay, well, if there's something about to mouth. <laughs> Function with one of these rides, roller coaster, otherwise, the sound of it is actually a really big indicator. But that's funny because, yeah, theme parks are full of screaming kids and filtering out sound is a particular challenge in a place like this. Yeah. And in a factory floor, you probably have predictable sounds, right? The chunk or whatever. Sure. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze. Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet 
strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed, and Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model in the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Of, of the machines, whereas, you know, uh, human noises are, are less predictable. So what I just think this is a really good example when people are like, what is AI good for besides taking my jobs? Well, here, here's an example. <laughs> I don't know if anybody's ever been stuck on a ride before. I have. I have. <laughs> <laughs> Only happened once, but I've it wasn't fun. Twice. Once on really? the Harry Potter ride at Universal and once on Star, uh, the, the Space Mountain at Disneyland. And I haven't been to theme parks that many times. Oh, wow. Space Mountain would be a weird one, yeah. especially if they turn on the lights and just ruin everything. Totally did. Yep. <laughs> Oh, sorry to hear that, Tom. All right. Well, maybe this will help cheer everybody up. Redo, which is a German nonprofit organization, is using solar-powered MP3 players to bring health information to people in remote regions, specifically the Aka people and women specifically living in these regions, which is mostly uh, based in the Central African Republic and Congo. The information is performed as a song by indigenous musicians, because again, a lot of these folks uh, are, 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 are closed off into uh, the rest of the world uh, because of a variety of reasons, not having access to newspapers or not being able to read, etc. One big topic, preventing diarrhea, which is reported to lead to the deaths of 2,195 children every day. That's more than... Well, that's 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 a big number. The Aka have no official written language, which is sort of lending to why this is important. Often have limited or no access to written materials on healthcare, so the information is presented in songs that are stored on these MP3 players that are solar powered. Don't get the diarrhea by not licking <laughs> that thing. <sighs> I mean, this is, it's, it's very catchy, Tom, Thank you, you know, but, but all kidding aside, it's like, think about this. It's like, okay, well, it's genius. There, it really is. Yeah. There are certain regions oh, yeah, where people don't have access to healthcare information that they need. Even if they did have access to it, uh, they, they can't necessarily read written materials um, or, or, you know, absorb information, uh, but it's very important and you don't want anybody to be sick and or dying, particularly no, children. Absolutely. And yeah, the fact that there's limited, uh, uh, you know, power and these MP3s are solar and the song, haven't heard any of them, would love to. But, <laughs> but song hey. is, is, is an important part of the culture of, yeah. of a lot of these people. So that, yeah. that is one, another reason why they do it through song, because people are like, oh, yeah, no, I like, I like absorbing information that way. It's actually, it's actually a traditional way of doing it. Sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, I can think of lots of songs 
that I heard, at least when I was younger, about you know how to how to stay safe presented presented through a song, so kids remember. Nicole, what do you think of this? Uh, I think it's brilliant, and I wonder whether there are similar efforts in other parts of the world because I can't imagine they're the only people who don't have a written language or don't or right. just, just are just not sure, don't, sure. aren't able to read, right? So I, I can't. There are probably tons of communities all around the world that I know are are illiterate or whatever it is, and this would be interesting to yeah. to see how far reaching it is. I wonder what other audio formats besides music could there be you know something with drumming or poetry or you know that's just fascinating hey folks if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes be sure to subscribe to dailytechheadlines.com all right there's a new xrdc innovation report that came out from the ubm game network they're the folks behind gdc the game developers conference uh this is their third annual study of more than 600 ar and vr professionals to find out how are things going with this? Are you still working on it? Are you still making games? And yes, they are. Uh, 70% of people developing for AR and VR are developing games. Uh, now, these these numbers are going to add up to more than 100% because some developers are working on more than one type of thing at a time. So don't get confused. But 70% are developing games. 37% uh, are working on training and education uses. Now, that's up from 27% last year. So while gaming still is predominant, you're starting to see more development in other areas. Uh, 22% are working on medical and healthcare uses, 25% working on branded experiences. If you've, you've been to a car dealership, some of them now have this sort of thing, or I've been to a movie theater where they were they were showing off aspects of, say, the Jungle Book movie was one uh, in VR. So those kinds of things. Uh, as far as what they're working on, it's still the same equipment for now htc vive is the most popular platform for the third year running oculus rift still number two although android's ar core has now passed up gear vr as the number three most popular platform and if you're wondering about magic leap it leaped from three percent to eight percent yeah so some people are actually using that development kit uh and 75 percent of the people surveyed for this report think augmented reality will be bigger than virtual reality in the long term because it's more accessible and has broader use cases. Uh, And I I went looking for some good examples of of AR use cases that you might not think of. Gatwick Airport uh, in the UK is using augmented reality as an airport guide to kind of help you get around the airport. Uh, IKEA, we've talked about, has a room organizer. Lowe's has a virtual tape measure and room organizer. Sephora has a virtual artist where you can see how makeup would look on you. Uh, There's a company called AccuVein that has a handheld device to help nurses scan the vein network of a patient and has led to a 45% reduction in escalations. Lockheed is actually one of the ones I was most impressed of because they are speeding up manufacturing processes on building spacecraft. Instead of having to look through binders of data or content on a computer across the room, Man, the, the people working on building spacecraft are wearing AR devices like the HoloLens that overlay the instructions for drilling or applying torque to specific parts. And Shelley Peterson uh, of Lockheed Martin said that augmented reality uh, systems have now reduced manufacturing time from six weeks of drilling and assembly to two. Wow. Yeah. So there, there are more people working on non-game uses of this. There are an expanding number of types of uses of this. Nicole, how does this mesh in with, with the coverage you've been seeing and, and, and reporting on? 
So I think the there there are a few different factors here, and as you mentioned, augmented reality is much bigger than we think it is, and that's sort of the PR problem that augmented reality has right now. In the sense of like, when you think of AR, you don't really think of anything. You think of like a really expensive Hololens, and you think of like. Magic, which isn't even in the market yet, right? So these are all like sort of very far away, distant things. The only thing you re- you really think about are like you know Pokemon Go or like the AR core AR, AR kit stuff, or like the you know, Snapchat lenses and that kind of thing. But um, in actuality, AR is pretty big, but only in certain markets. Like the enterprise is huge, and it's huge in um, the medical industry, the manufacturing industry. Um, Hololens is used. Uh, with four, I think Microsoft partnered with four to use Hololens so that engineers can visualize full-scale models in 3D. And I think um, there are some medical colleges or medical universities that are using medical imaging, so you can see, you know, the way the <laughs> the way in the, the way the body structure is is built, and, all, and so on and so forth. So it's actually pretty big in enterprise, and the reason for that is because augmented reality headsets right now. They're big, they're bulky, they're kind of clunky, and they're really expensive, like over $1,000 for a headset, right? And that's really expensive for a consumer. But for a business, 1000 bucks for a headset, like that's like no big deal. You know, if like you it's, reduced, not, it's not a big deal. If you reduce production time by four weeks, it paid for itself yeah. quickly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You pay like $1,000 any day. Yeah. So, right. And the, the issue, right, and that's why that's why it's taken, taken off so much more in enterprise markets and those sort of specialized markets, because it totally makes sense in those specific use cases. The problem is when you, you try to put that to like a consumer thing, like the way Magic Leap is trying to do, I think a lot of other companies are trying to do, it's like, it's hard. You have to get it really small and like it has to be cheap. It has to look good. You know, so all of those situations coming in, like it's much harder for a consumer AR headset than it is for a, a, you know, an enterprise headset. That, that, that doesn't mean AR isn't working. That doesn't mean AR isn't successful. It's just kind of very early days still. Yeah, I mean, Google Glass still exists as an enterprise product <laughs> and people yep. p- people make jokes and, you know, I, I try not to get pedantic about it. Like, Google Glass died a long time ago. I'm like, well, actually, no, it didn't. It just moved in. It, it just grew up and got a job. <laughs> That's what happened to Google Glass. But I think for me, as is, is somebody who's you know, mildly interested in this, I mean, I'm interested in the sense of wanting to, you know, talk about it and know about it, but mildly interested in a virtual reality experience for the most part. Anything that gets me on board that can be tied to the devices I already use, um, which, uh, you know, obviously Apple is not alone, although I have an iPhone, but those sorts of AR experiences that just help my context, mm-hmm. that, you know, that will be something that I will start to apply to my everyday use without even saying anything like, yeah, I'm into AR. You know, it's just part <laughs> of your life. The VR part of it is, you know, it requires, in many cases, hardware. Like you said, Nicole, expensive hardware, stuff that is less portable um, and limited and often wired. So that's why I think that, uh, you know, a lot of folks are, you know, whether or not they're even on the fence about, you know, where, where this is all going, we're, we're, we're using a lot of AR already. And we're right. continuing to. It's very. I think that you mentioned a great point about the AR uh, AR kit for the iPhone, AR Core for Android, and the reason why those are so important is because that is the stepping stone for developers to build AR apps. And once the AR apps ecosystem gets more robust, you know, we've seen the IKEA room organizer, we've seen like the Lowe's virtual tape and the Sephora virtual artist. Once you get more and more AR apps, like actual use cases for AR, 
and then the then the use case for a consumer headset starts to make more sense. It's like, oh, instead of using a phone to sort of like just like hold over my magazine to see the you know different things pop up, I can just I can just wear my my regular glasses and just yeah, see the yeah. same thing, right? So that's why the, that's why the apps thing is really where it it should start. Um, once you start finding a good use case for AR, it's like, oh, it totally makes sense. AR makes sense now, and I think that's where like the the consumer introduction will will sort of seep in and I, and I feel like the thing that is hurting the perception of the success of AR is the same thing that might make it a success which yeah. is I don't see it around me right with virtual reality oh I know when you're using it right because you got that big old <laughs> headset on your face uh, so I, I know VR but that's also a barrier which is like oh right I have to go get that thing and put it on and cover my face and I can't see anything else and I can't do anything else Whereas AR, I bet a lot of you listening have used it. You're just not thinking about it as AR. I mean, I was thinking about this earlier today. I went to do some measurements in the backyard. We were putting up a fence for the dogs. And instead of taking the actual measuring tape, I had my phone. I was like, oh, well, I'll just use this. I used the measuring app, right? <laughs> because it was, I didn't think about it as I'm going to use AR. I was like, oh, I've got a measuring app. I'll just use this. But I was right. using augmented reality right then. Yeah, exactly. Well, thanks to everybody who participates in our subreddit. We always have good VR and AR stories in there, but lots of stories. You can submit them. You can vote on stories that are already that have already been submitted, and it helps us learn more about what you like to hear about. DailyTechNewsShow.reddit.com. Go there, have some fun. Also on Facebook, facebook.com slash group slash Daily Tech News Show. Yeah, I was in the Facebook group uh, earlier this afternoon, uh, popping in on a, on a couple conversations. Good good stuff in there. People kind of going over the news and, and in a critical way. I love to see that when people start to like, well, hold on, you posted this story, but I think maybe there's another angle to it. They're, they're doing what we do on the show in the Facebook group, which is fantastic to see. Uh, we also love getting the emails. What's in the mailbag, Sarah? Oh, glad you asked, Tom. John has some movie pass feedback based on our conversation yesterday and says he plans to cancel the service. And here's what John says. The biggest deal breaker for my wife and I was peak pricing. This was implemented back in July. It was supposed to be a small surcharge on movies that were in very high demand in areas. First, I was OK with that. Theaters aren't always that crowded. We could probably find a showing that didn't have the surcharge uh, and, you know, go at a later time. However, proved not to be true in my area. Last week, starting on Thursday, every movie and every showing had that surcharge. Every theater around us. This included the 10.30 p.m. showing of Teen Titans Go. Really can't see that showing being high in demand. Maybe it was. This continued until Monday when no show had the surcharge. That small surcharge, by the way, says John, is 50% over the normal ticket price, so not that small. With the change and the removal of new movies from the service, we just decided to cancel. When the price change was announced, without the removal of these restrictions, we thought, eh, we'd made the right choice. We were willing to still pay $20 a month for the service if it didn't have restrictions, but now we're about to buy in tickets at a normal price, having the convenience of buying tickets ahead of time when our local theater has reserved seating. What else are you going to do? Yeah, uh, you might want to check out Cinemia. They're available in a lot of places in the U.S., and they work with the theater systems to do the advanced purchasing. Uh, they're cheaper. They just didn't have unlimited. That's the big difference between Cinemia and MoviePass. They never got the big splash because they never uh, went overboard. <laughs> and they're also uh, looking a lot more healthy as a business. So, uh, thank you, John. Those unlimited packages, very rarely unlimited after all. 
Yeah. Even if even a movie passes case, they're like unlimited. Oh, yeah. we don't have enough money. Yeah, that so, actually so did not work out well. Yeah, unlimited actually doesn't work. Uh, what we would love to be unlimited is Nicole Lee's future appearances on this show. Nicole, good to have you back, and let folks know where they can keep up with the rest of your work. Happy to be back. Um, you can just go to uh, twitter.com slash Nicole or just go to Engadget.com and you'll find a story from me sooner or later. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you're just you're fresh back from vacation. You know, I'll yeah, give you a couple right. of minutes to get back on the <laughs> Exactly. But, yeah. But uh, you, you do great work over there. So check it out, folks, Engadget.com. Uh, and also, folks, check out patreon.com slash DTNS. It's August 2nd which means that if you are a supporter on Patreon, you need to go to the site to get all the perks. A lot of people throughout the month say, where was that link? How do I hook up to the Discord? Where do I find the podcast RSS? All of those questions are answered in a series of posts that went up yesterday at patreon.com slash DTNS. And uh, by the way, if you didn't back us yet, now's a great time to back us and get access to those posts. So uh, go check it out, patreon.com slash DTNS. Hey, we love your feedback. Love it, love it, love it. Keep it coming. Feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com is our email address. If you can join us live, we'd love to have you. Monday through Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 2030 UTC. You can find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. We'll be back tomorrow with our special guest from the SMR podcast, Rob Dunwood. Talk to you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.